Greetings from our Norwalk campus, where I'm excited to tell you that a lot of great things are happening at our Norwalk campus. In fact, our, our mission at the Norwalk campus continues on. It remains the same, that we are here to help people move one step closer to God and to each other through Christ, and that continues on in Norwalk. It will not stop. It will not waver. I can guarantee that. And um, as I think about that mission, you know, it was several years ago now that, that Pastor Jay actually challenged us with a mission. It was a mission that he called our My Three mission. And if you're not familiar or you've forgotten what that mission was, essentially what it is is we were to choose three people. They could be co-workers or they could be neighbors or even friends or family members. And the goal was that these people... Uh, would be people that wouldn't know Jesus as their Savior. They wouldn't be Christ followers. And so our mission, our job, was to then pray for these three people in a special way. It was to work at, at building a relationship with these three people in a special way. It was to hopefully be able to share our story with these three people, to to maybe share our faith story with these three people so that we could, I hope, tell them about Jesus. That we could maybe even invite them to church at some point. Well, let me tell you, I took this challenge very seriously, and I'm not going to mention any names this morning, but for the past three years or so now, I have been praying for this man specifically, and I have been working at developing a relationship with this man where I can genuinely say he is my friend now. I, I, call, him, I call him a friend. And, and, and for three years, I have looked for opportunities to share my faith with this man. And let me tell you how it's going with him. So in the course of three years, he's told me he doesn't want to talk about God. He's told me that um, he thinks all of this stuff is junk and nonsense and silly. He's told me that he will never come to church with me and that I need to stop asking him. That's how my mission's gone. And although I, I remain friends with this man and we genuinely enjoy being together, our conversations remain kind of surface level. We don't really go deep. You could say, truly, that my mission's not going well. By all accounts, I'm failing at my mission. And to be honest, I've been tempted to give up. I've been tempted to, to walk away at times. I've even questioned God in this mission and said, God, should I quit? Should I just be done with this? Should I walk away? Should I move on? Well, as we have read Acts chapter 13... And today we look into Acts chapter 14. It's hard to know if this mission that Barnabas and Paul are on, it's, it's hard to know if their mission is going well or not, if they're being successful. But one thing we do know for sure about their mission is they have not wavered. They have not changed. They have not crumbled. They are still telling everyone everywhere the good news about Jesus Christ. And, and yes, some have rejected them. Some have even rejected them to the point of persecution. And yet, we see some 
some that have said yes to following Jesus. They have responded in the church it's beginning to grow. And today, as we look at chapter 14 in the book of Acts, we see some similarities, more of the same. Paul and Barnabas, they're preaching in a town of Iconium. This is a, a commercial center. It's a busy place. And, and once again, we see this town is, is divided. We see some people who, yes, they have believed and they have given their lives to following Jesus. But we also see some people who have sided with the Jews. And as you and I know, we've experienced this firsthand, right? The voice of the haters grows. And it's always the voice of the haters that gets louder and louder. And the same thing is happening here. These people who are, are, are upset with them, their voice is growing until a suggestion is made that these apostles should just be stoned. They should be put to death. And then someone takes that, re, that, that suggestion seriously. And now Paul and Barnabas, they they're forced to flee. They, ha they have to move on for the sake of their lives. And in fact, it's in Acts chapter 14, verse 6, that it tells us they fled to the region of Lycaonia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding areas. This area of Lystra they're heading to is about 25 miles south of where they currently are. And these apostles, as they fled, they went to a different area, but they continued to preach the good news of Jesus. It didn't stop. And this blows me away because sometimes I think we can read these things and we just kind of gloss over them. We gloss over these little details, but, but I'm challenged by them today because look, these men are facing a mob, an angry mob, a mob that, that is ready to put them to death. They're ready to stone them and so they have to pack up and they have to move to another location. But even though they move to another location, they don't stop preaching. They don't stop telling everyone everywhere the good news of Jesus Christ. Their resolve and the mission that God had given them and the call that God had given them was so firm, was so secure, it was so unwavering that nothing would stand in the way. Nothing was going to change it. And as I look at this church that they're building, I think this is the kind of church we want to be. Yes, a, a church that, that is willing to be flexible, a church that is willing to adapt, a church that is willing to, to stay relevant and is, is comfortable engaging in, in the messiness of culture and the messiness of relationships. Yes, we want to be that kind of church, and yet we want to be the kind of church whose mission is to help people move one step closer to God and to each other through Christ, and nothing will cause that to waver, to crumble, to change, even in the face of challenges. I promise that to be true. To which you go, well, well Charles, how, how in the world can you promise that that mission won't waver? How can we make sure as Christ followers and as the church that our mission is going to always remain firm? How can we do that? Well, to answer that question, I want to look at Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14 today. So if you have your Bibles with us today, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 14. If you're at home watching Acts chapter 14, we have some Bibles in the back of this room. If you don't have a Bible of your own, I want you to take one of ours. That is a gift to you 
I want you to have that. But Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 8 today, it says this. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. And looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped his feet and started walking. So here we see a man who had never walked before in his entire life finds himself in a location where he is able to hear the message that Paul is preaching. And this is a powerful message Paul is preaching. A message that that has the ability to change lives. And we know it has the ability to change lives because it's changed my life. And if you're a Christ follower in this room today, then it's changed your life too. This is a powerful message, but I imagine that this crippled man never imagined that it had this kind of power. So I wondered what was going on in the mind of of, the, of, of this man as Paul shared the love of Christ. As Paul shared with people about a God who created the heavens and the earth and he created everything in them, a God that is so generous, a God that is so good, a God that is so loving. As he shared this message, I imagine this crippled man, he found hope that he had never found in his entire life. I imagine him leaning in. I imagine him turning his head with his ear to hear more because he was hearing a message he had never heard before. And this didn't go unnoticed by Paul either. And this is where we find our first key of four that I want to give you today. If we are going to keep our mission of helping people to move one step closer to God and to each other through Christ, if we're going to keep that message, that mission firm, we need these four keys. Here's the first one that we find. Key number one, stay attentive to the needs of others. Stay attentive. Yes, this man is sitting and listening to Paul as he preached, but Paul was sensitive to this man's needs. In fact, it tells us here, it says that looking straight at him in verse 9, that Paul realized he had faith to be healed. Now, if you're an extrovert in this room, you read past this and you don't think anything of it. But if you're an introvert in this room as I am, then you know what a big deal this is. Because as an introvert, I can be honest about an area of weakness I have. I, I, I have this unique, unique ability to keep my head down. And I, and I can walk forward without paying much attention to anything that's going on around me. I have this unique ability to just keep my head on, on focused on what's right in front of me, the job at hand I, I'm going to do. And, and I hope that there's no problems going on. And if there is problems going on around me, I, I either don't want to know about it or I hope that somebody else will notice so that they can take care of it so I don't have to. This is the problem of being an introvert. We keep our heads down. But here what we see is Paul noticed. And not only did Paul notice, but Paul did did something about it. He, he took action. And if we are going to hold firm to the mission we have been given, then we need to be people who are attentive to the needs of others. You can't just assume that someone else is going to handle it because they won't. Each of us have been placed uniquely 
in this life, in our jobs, in our families, in our neighborhoods, you have been given a unique place so that you can continue the mission that we've been given. You can't wait for someone else to reach out to another. You do it. And that means you're going to have to pay attention and be attentive. This first key, it, it, it touched my heart in a special way just I don't know, three weeks ago or so, I started not feeling well on the last day of a vacation. And I told Trisha, I'm not feeling that great. By the time we got home, I was sick. And I went down for about five, six days straight. I was down. Well, someone at our Norwalk campus heard that I wasn't feeling well. And he and his wife and kids put together a dinner for my wife and my daughters and brought it over for them. Seems like such a simple gesture, but I tell you it meant so much to me to see my family cared for. Not, not just by someone else, but cared for by someone in our church that, that was attentive and noticed and did something about it. And I tell you what, when we are attentive to other people's needs, then our mission will never be compromised. Never. That's key number one. But let's look a little bit further at verse 11 through 15. It says, When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect that these men are gods in human form. And they decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they were prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. Look, to hold firm to our mission, yes, we're going to need to be attentive to the needs of others, but it's also going to require something else that gets a little bit more difficult. Key number two for us today is to stay humble and authentic. Look, Paul and Barnabas here, they're being, they're being recognized as gods. Now, I don't have to convince you. I imagine your heart resonates with mine of the dangers that happens here when we feel the the desire to be elevated to a place we don't belong, when we've been given attention and we're looked at as being something more than we are, it feels good. It feels good to be recognized. It feels good to be elevated. I, I can admit it feels good, and I bet you can admit it feels good too. And these people elevating them are not crazy. It makes perfect sense. Because you see, Zeus and Hermes were popular gods in this, in this Roman world. In fact, in this city they're in, in Lystra, it was this city's claim to fame that these two gods had at one time visited their city. In fact, the legend goes that these two gods visited and no one showed them hospitality except for an elderly couple. Well, as the legend continues, it tells us that, that these two gods became angry with this town because of this. And they were so angry that they swept through the town and they killed every single person in town except for the elderly couple. 
Well, the people in this town knew this legend. They would have believed this legend. And so they were going to do everything they could to prevent from making that mistake twice. They weren't going to do the same thing again. So what did they do? Instead, they, they witnessed Paul and Barnabas they heal this crippled man. They were performing miracles. And they said, we need to honor them as gods. We need to show them respect and care and worship them. They weren't going to make the same mistake twice, and so they did. However, the apostles knew in this moment that if they were not going to lose sight of their mission that they had been given, that they were going to need to fervently fight against that need to be elevated, and they were going to need to stay humble, and so they wasted no time. And we see in verse 14 how they responded. They tore their clothes and they shouted to the people, right? They shouted, no, 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 we are just like you, no greater. I'm, I get to see, in a special way, I get to see the pastors of this church when they're not standing up here. And I get to see the staff when they're not working. I get to see our, our, our elders and our leaders when they're not in front of people. I get to see our worship team and our worship leaders when they're not on stage. I get to see these people when the lights aren't shining on their face. And I tell you this, it's impacting me, and I, and I am proud to admit that these people are the same off stage as they are on stage. They're just like me and just like you. Of course, they have moments where they struggle and they make mistakes and there's problems. Of course there is. But I tell you what, these people are people that I can truly say are humble and authentic. Who you see up here is the same person that you see out there. It's special. And nothing, nothing will derail a mission faster than someone who is not humble and not authentic. And you know this to be true. Because how many times have you heard it? How many times have you heard, well, those church people, they're just fake. Church people are, are hypocrites. Church people say one thing and then they do another. Why would I ever want to follow Jesus if they act like these church people? We've heard this. And I tell you, if we are going to hold firm to the mission as Christ followers and as a church, then we have to stay humble and continue to be authentic. We have to admit when we've failed and we need to live like servants of the king, not live like the king. Because we're just like you, they said. So we have to be attentive to the needs of others and we have to be humble and authentic. But let's continue so I can show you the third key here. It says this in verse 15 through 18. We have come to bring you the good news, that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. What a message Paul's preaching to them here. A message that is strong. A message that is unapologetic. A message that is full of truth. And that is our third key today. That we should always, always speak truth. In fact, 
In fact, the very thing that this crowd is praising Paul and Barnabas for is the very truth that he's, he's telling them no. He's speaking against. He tells them that you need to turn from these worthless things. And this would have bothered these people. I mean, I mean, I mean many of these people, they had grown up their entire lives worshiping these idols and these gods, these small g gods. In fact, we know that the priest of the temple of Zeus was present at Paul's message here. He would have been listening. Essentially, what Paul was telling him was, look, your entire career has been, has been wasted. You're, 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 you're living for a lie that's not true. But what I do love about Paul's truth that he shares is he doesn't condemn people. He doesn't make fun of them. He doesn't laugh at them. He doesn't belittle them. Instead, he reminds them of truth. And what is the truth he reminds them of? Well, he says you need to turn to the living God. God's not dead. Our God is alive, he says. And not only that, but then he goes on to say he made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Our God is not dead. He's alive and he's the creator, the creator of everything. And then he tells them in verse 17, they send you rain and good crops and gives you food. He's saying, look, God is good and he's generous and he's loving and he cares about you. And then he follows it all up at the end of verse 17 by saying this, and he gives you joyful hearts, a truth of a God that is full of joy. And you and I should never shy away from speaking this truth. We possess a powerful message, a life-changing message, and we should speak it often without hesitation. With that said, though, please hear me. This does not, not give you permission to go on social media and post anything you want under the name of truth. This does not give you permission to belittle someone or attack someone under the name of truth. That's not, that's not what's happening here. This does not give you permission to stand on the street corner and yell at someone who has a different viewpoint than you have. That's not, that's not what Paul's doing here. Paul's message of truth is, is surrounded with, with who God is that he's a loving God, that he's a sustaining God, that he's a caring and generous God, that he is a joy-filled God. It was not a message of condemnation or judgment or opinions or politics or biases. No, no, this is a message that he shared that was surrounded by grace, a grace that is greater than all my sins, and I promise you that people will have more inclined tendencies to listen to what you have to say if they know that you love them, and we lose sight of the mission when we lose sight of this truth, a truth surrounded in who God is and his love for them. That is the truth that we should speak freely. And if we're going to hold firm to the mission that God has given us as Christ followers and as the chapel, then we have to be attentive to each other's needs. We have to be humble and authentic, and we must always speak truth. But there's one more key that may be the most powerful key of all. Let me see if we can pick this out when we read this. See if you see it. Key number four. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. 
This is why it does us no good to get hung up on the accolades of others. Do you see how quickly their attitudes change toward Paul and Barnabas? I mean, just, just a little while before, they're praising them as gods. They're worshiping them. They're elevating them. And now, now they're, they're stoning Paul. They literally executed him. And they were trying to kill him, and they, they broke his body. He was unconscious for sure. They drug him out to the edge of town where they were leaving him to rot for dead. And as appalling as that is, the real key for us today comes in verse 20. Do you see it? It says, but as the believers gathered around him, I'm sure that they were in shock. And I'm sure that they gathered around him, maybe in fear and in sadness. However, I promise you that they gathered around him with hopefulness and prayer. And that leads us to this fourth key that we have today, that we should surround each other with prayer. Paul's injuries were significant. There's no way he should have lived from this, let alone that he should have, have gotten up and, and continued on his way. I mean, it was possible to survive stoning, but this would have left his body broken. It would have left him with severe injuries. But the believers, they surrounded Paul, and miraculously, they prayed. And as they did, his body was healed, and he got up and went on his way. Listen, as Christ followers in the church, if we are going to hold to our mission, we have to surround each other in prayer. That is why the first value here at the chapel is to depend on God and his word because everything we do and everything we say should be run through this filter of prayer. So pray. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Husbands, pray for your wives. Wives, pray for your husbands. Parents, pray for your children. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your church, your pastors. Pray for your elders. Pray for the church leaders and staff. Pray for each other. Pray, because that is the most powerful weapon you possess. And if we are going to go the distance in our mission then we have to surround each other in prayer. That'll make all the difference in the world. So if we're going to hold firm to our mission, we have to be attentive to each other's needs. We have to be humble and authentic. We must speak truth, and we must always surround each other in prayer. Listen, Paul's heart was to continue this mission of Christ at any cost. And he held to this calling and was unwavered and this mission was worth fighting for, and it's a mission we continue to fight for to this very day. But we fight with care, and we fight with humility, and we fight with truth, and we fight with prayer. Never lose sight, and never stop, because it'll be then that our mission, our mission will continue without fail until the day that Jesus returns. And just so you know, that guy who was my three, just this past week, he told me that he was willing to stop and take a tour of the Norwalk campus because he was intrigued to see what it looked like inside. And so, and so I will continue to be attentive, and I will continue to be authentic. I'll continue to speak truth when I can, and I will continue to pray for this man just as I will pray for you. In fact, let me pray for you right now, if I could. And I'm going to borrow this prayer from Paul. And he says this, Now glory to God, who is able 
through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.